Hello, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Cody Stoffer. And I'm your other co-host, Simon Voyanos. And we are picking up our QB1 series. If you haven't heard the last QB1 episode, please make sure to take a look where we talk episodes 1 through 3. And on this one, we'll be talking episodes 4, 5, and 6. And so, just a little bit of recap from last time where we left off. In the big news for the three major quarterbacks, once again, if you missed it, is Spencer Rattler, the number one quarterback in the nation, five stars. Then you have Lance Lejean, who is a four-star quarterback in Louisiana. And Nick Scalzo, the three-star, number 21-ranked dual-threat quarterback in the nation in Florida, playing for Cardinal Gibbons. So, in the last game, Nick Scalzo got hurt. Something happened with his shoulder because he was running around and trying to do a little too much. And in this one, we head straight to the doctors, I think, at the beginning of this episode. Yes. If that's right. Yep. So, in this one, they, they go to the doctor, and he doesn't have a broken collarbone. Well, okay. At first, the doctor says that it's something way worse than it actually is. Well, he said it was broke. Yeah, he said the collarbone was broken. Yeah, yeah. And then they did another set of tests, and it's just a really deep sprain. Yeah. So he had a scare for a second. And once again, I don't know, it's like kind of a, it's not the same vibe, but it's a similar vibe when the dad was like, well, well, how did you feel after the first set of news? And it's like, well, obviously Nick was freaked out by the first set of news. Like, why are you asking him that question? So there's a vibe once again that makes me pretty (laughs) uncomfortable. Um, And so then basically he's not, really practicing for the week, but he's expecting to play the game. He expects to play the game. Everyone else is telling him not to, except for his dad. But Nick is all like, yeah, Yeah, I'm a play, I'm a play, you know, acting a fool. So nobody except for Nick and his family expect him to play. Yeah, except for his yes-men that he surrounds himself with. Which is all you, it says all you need there. So, So, yeah. Yeah, and he's uh, at practice, you know. He's not really engaged, I'd say, during team practice. And I don't know, in my experience, if any time I've been hurt, I am right there with the drills with my position players. I'm talking to the coaches about plays that might work. I'm, I'm still, even though I'm not practicing, I'm still at football practice. You feel me? Yes. And Nick wasn't doing that. So, shout a uh, quick lesson because that's the whole point of this is to talk to these high schoolers and teach them on what they should be doing if you are hurt you still show up to practice as long as you can like physically go to practice you go to practice you hang out with your position coach you hang out with your position you go to individual like it's individual time you go to team time like it's team time and you are talking football you're focused football you're not lollygagging on the sidelines i hate that even if you are hurt you should still be engaged right and that means something to not only like not only your teammates, right, because you're still actually there being a team player, but it means something to your coaches and to your future coaches too. Like, because they'll, you know, if there's an injury thing, they'll ask about that. Just like, hey, like, when this guy was injured, what was he doing? And it's like, oh, he didn't show up to practice and he was playing Xbox every day. That's a red flag. Which, I mean, Nick was still at practice, but he wasn't tuned in, is what I would say. So I wanted to address that first and foremost. Uh, Simon, what were your thoughts as he goes to the doctor and <clears throat> Leading up to this Milton game, which is in Georgia. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He, okay. Him acting a fool at practice is no 
I don't know, it's no surprise. Like, you could, we all could have seen that coming. Hoped it didn't come that way, but it did. And so, I'm just going to leave that alone, you know. Pay attention during practice, don't be an idiot. I don't care if you're a senior, if you're a sophomore, whatever. Do what you need to do, right? Um, that means pay attention and try to help the team win and be successful. Stop talking about records and all, you know, and all this other stuff that really don't matter like that. You know, you got you to gotta get on... I don't know. You got to get on a grind eventually. And I just haven't really seen that from Nick at all. And we're about four episodes in. So, there you go. Um, glad he's okay, though. I yeah, guess. That's, no, that, <laughs> that's, that is good. We don't wish anyone ever be injured. No, I didn't wish him to be injured. I'm just, you know, I'm glad he's okay, I guess. Probably. That's all that is. That's all that is. Anyways, yeah, I think you brought up a good point, though, because uh, he was talking records with the assistant coaches instead of focusing on practice. I think that that, says, that speaks more volume about Nick Scalzo than almost any other segment in the show because he's busy about what his legacy is, and he's not – that like that's the ultimate like not concerned about the team <clears throat> is when like you're talking records at practice instead of talking – football at practice if that yeah. means, like don't get me wrong it's cool to break records and all right because i'm pretty sure we'll see spencer here in a bit you know get close to a record and you know he has it in mind like if you don't have records in mind then you're lying you know but there is a time and a place you know and that was not the time or the place in my opinion yeah also just to throw this out there too nick in one practice talked way more about records than spencer did all season of this QB1 season, so that's all I'm saying there, you know, keep your mind right on the right things, what's a record if you keep taking L's anyways, you ain't win nothing yet, so that's where I'm at with that, but yeah, I, I got you though, I got you, so they did play this game over at Milton, yeah? No, that's next episode. Oh, you're right, you're right, sorry, I'm getting them confused, so that's the game that they're gonna, he's gonna eventually hop into. But, okay, so that's really all with Nick, though. They were just following him around a lot, yeah? Yeah, very low-key Nick episode. Okay, okay. <sighs> all right, well, let's uh, talk about Spencer Rattler. Do you mind if I get this thing started? Please send it. All right, sounds good. Hey, put that first note. <laughs> no, I, I will. So what happens? Uh, well, okay, I'm going to skip a little bit ahead. They're doing this little fun thing at Chick-fil-A and whatnot. Uh, last call, you know, they talk about... They talk about Spencer Rattler uh, being a number one quarterback, J.D. Johnson being right behind with a couple offers, I want to say. And so that's the first we kind of hear about J.D. Johnson having some offers, having some interest from different colleges. And, you know, it's not normal for for any team to have two quarterbacks who are D1 guys. One, a senior, you know, already with his commitment there. And then J.D. Johnson, which I want to say is either a year or two years behind him with, um, you know. Pac-12 offers. Yeah, with less. offers there, yeah, from the Pac-12. D1 Power 5 offers. That's what matters, um, at least in this scenario. So there you go, which is really interesting. But basically they start off practice with a 1v1 type of practice, you know, going ones with receivers, DBs, quarterbacks. Uh, and, you know, J.D. Johnson doesn't play well at all. <laughs> he misses a lot of throws. It's, it's not even close, like just very inaccurate throws. Um, there's no way the receiver could have even had a chance 
to made a play on the ball, and you know, we weren't the only ones who noticed because Spencer definitely noticed and dogged him right at the beginning of practice and was just going at him. He was like, JD, that's why you sorry, bro. That's why I'm the quarterback. Which he's not wrong. You know, he, he was going on and on, and he he may have crossed the what line there. What was the Elite 11 comment that he said? Uh, oh, JD yeah. was all like, bro, we know you're Elite 11. We know you're good. But for once, could you just pick me up and not... <laughs> I don't want to laugh, but he's all like, like, you play like blah, 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 like some other It was like you play like garbage or something like that. I don't know. But JD was definitely in his feels. Spencer was cool because he made all of his throws, of course. But JD was all like, Spencer, could you please just try to pick me up? And, you know, real leaders, they pick each other up and they do their thing. You know, they lead by example. <laughs> you know, Spencer he was, was like, that. He was yeah, on some cheesy stuff. <laughs> yeah, J- I'm not going to lie. JD made some good points, but he was on the cheesy Nick Scalzo side of things for a quick second there. And Spencer was like, no, bro. I get it done. That's why I'm Spencer Rattler, is what he basically said there. And <laughs> it could leave a bad taste in your mouth, but I feel like by this point we knew what's we knew Spencer and we knew JD, and JD was just having a bad day, and then he was like all sad about it because Spencer would not let him forget that he was oh, having yeah. a terrible oh, yeah. practice. It heated up pretty fast, and then and then it just cooled down afterwards, and there. And Spencer was all like, do you love how we just have crazy, like, arguments like that and then recall a minute or two later? And he's like, yeah. And, and then, then they both good. called each other, like, an idiot or something at, like, the same time. <laughs> yeah, they're, funny. like, stupid, and that's that's how that ended. And so they're fine. Their relationship, I don't think there's ever really going to be, like, bad beef between them. I think they're both just very, um, they're like brothers, I would say. I think that's the best way to describe it, but in the best sense. not None of this fake stuff, you know. But, you know, they'll get on each other, and Spencer, he was right, you know. JD made a lot of bad throws, which, you know, in 101s with no pads, you need to make... Those are gimmies. Like, you need to make those throws. If it's practice and you got pressure, sure. But still, though, got to make those. So, it's, uh, it's tough love. It's tough love that JD needs, because... The coaches, I don't think, are going to say that to JD right now because he's a backup. He doesn't... It's not that he doesn't matter, but it's like he's not relevant to the situation right now. You know what I mean? Like, JD's just not relevant. And so for Spencer to kind of coach him up and give him some of that tough love is needed. So that one day when JD, you know, takes over and whatnot, he's going to have Spencer in the back of his head dogging him for (laughs) for not being as good as him. But you know what? Speaking of that, we head into the second game of the season. Um, this one's a, another kind of tough game. You know, they they debuted the iconic blue camo unis. If you've ever seen any pictures of Spencer Rattler in high school, I guarantee at least the first six or seven pictures are exactly this: him in those <laughs> in him in those pinnacle blue camo unis, and they looked really good. Uh, so they go ahead and get into the game. It's a it's a pretty close game. I want to say it's it was tied going into half. Yeah. Yes. And okay. Spencer is zero and three against these cats too. Yeah. So is he's the, never is the won. history against this opposing team? I forget the, their name though. I I forget too. But you know, yet another landmark type of game that you know Spencer wants to win before he moves on and leaves for college. These are 
you know the type of stuff that you want to get tied up you want to get taken care of before you end your career uh just like any career and it's um it, it was good for spencer to get out there but anyways it's a pretty close game but spencer does hurt his ankle pretty tough there uh <sighs> It probably looked a little bit more worse than it was at first, but, you know, he eventually settled down, and it, I want to say it just ended up being a high ankle sprain, but uh, his dad, I think this is something that stood up, but I think his dad said to him, like, um, he asked him about the injury and all that, and he's like, well, I can go and I could play, and then his dad is like, no, like, let JD have his day, you know, let this be JD's night, all you gotta do is be a good teammate and cheer him on, and I loved that, I actually really loved that he said that, um, and not only did his dad said it, but his mom said it too, for double, for double emphasis, and I feel like parents are supposed to say stuff like that, but as their athlete or, well, as their kid gets older, you know, Spencer is 18 or 17 at this point. You know, maybe you don't say that as much. But I think obvious things like this are things that you have to say no matter what. And, you know, Spencer did a very good job of cheering on JD. You know, there's a lot of support there. I think around halftime, Spencer goes to JD and he's like, hey, man, I'm done for the night. This is your night. You got this. All right, man. And I, I think he says something like, I love you or something like that. And then JD goes out there and, you know. He balls. Yeah, he, he balls out. First off, shout out to the coaching staff. They get him going with some very solid, easy passes, build that confidence. First before, throw was a screen pass that went for a touchdown. Like 50 yards. Yeah, 50 yards for a touchdown, which, you know, this is a lesson to all the coaches out there. You got to give your quarterback, you got to give your backup quarterback who's been cold for most of the game some something to work off of, uh, you know, some, some confidence builders is what I'm trying to say there. And then from there, he just went off. And he had a fantastic game. I do believe they end up winning 35-21 to 21 behind J.D. Johnson, uh, just going crazy. I also want to say this was the game where J.D.'s trying to explain a play to Spencer, and they're like, they're like, offense, get out there. And J.D., you literally see it. J.D. looks out there for a quick second. And he's like, so anyways, and then they're like, they, you know, he c keeps going. And then you see Spencer look out there. And then the coach is like, JD, where's my quarterback? And then JD runs out there and Spencer's all like, dang, bro. He really forgot that he was starting QB1 right now. And then JD goes out there and scores another touchdown. That Anyways. was honestly one of the funniest moments, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah. He looked over there, too. So he heard him. It wasn't that he didn't hear him. He just him. didn't process it, like, at yeah. all. Like, he looked over there in acknowledgement. He was talking about one of his touchdowns, bro. He's like, yeah, so as soon as the safety came up, and then, where's the quarterback? <laughs> and, then he, and then he hustles out there with his little helmet and all that. But altogether, a very good night for both Spencer Rattler and J.D. Johnson. You know, this is, uh, I want to say... In my opinion, a definition of a team win. Spencer obviously got it started, but JD finished it, and that's a good dub to have, you know. So, there you go. But, Cody, what do you think about this game? Any other reactions or thoughts on it? I mean, it was a tough game. And, you know, something that struck me was the coaches after the game, right? Because the head coach of Pinnacle was like, we already knew that Spencer was the number one quarterback in the state. And J.D. came out tonight and proved that we also have the second-best quarterback in the state. And yes. there's there's more ways to mismanage this situation than there are ways to properly manage this situation. But I don't think that anybody could have said it better than the way that the coach did, honestly. Yeah, because it that's was maturity. Huge, 
It was a huge confidence booster for JD. Yes. And it's something where, you know, if they need JD in the future, like, he's going to be ready to go. And he has he knows that he has the coach's trust, right? Uh-huh. And it's also, and even or, or, the new, or the near future, it's something that, you know, JD knows. And it's also something to make sure that Spencer knows, like, I mean, it, I don't think it was a worry specifically because, you know, Spencer Rattler is as highly rated as he is. But it's something where Spencer knows that, like, he's chilling, right? And, yeah. like... Obviously, like he it's can a rely very, on his teammate to win the game. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a very unique situation for a coach to actually have like two of the best quarterbacks in the state. Even if even if he's not, even if JD's not legit number two, two of the top five QBs in the state is absurd to have on one roster. And I kept yeah. talking to Simon about it. I was like, dude, that's ridiculous. Like, how are you gonna have two quarterbacks that both have power five offers on the same roster? Like, what? and and the coaches just do a great job of. Not overthinking it, not overdoing it, keeping it traditional. You know, they yes, keep it traditional. As, it should. as as they should do. And, you know, JD and Spencer are bought in on that and the team's bought in on that. And, you know, overall that that was a great I think that was kind of like the tone setting moment for like the head coach to me, personally. Yeah. What because I like agree. We, we see him, like, quite a bit during the show, but this is like, okay, I know who this coach is. He's a good football coach. Yeah. I know that from this, and there's something for, like you said, for players to take away from it, and I think the most important thing from this episode for young players is know your role on the team, right? Like, JD is a Power 5 guy, right? You don't see him transferring. Yes. You don't see him, you know, thinking that he should be starting over Spencer. He comes in when he's called upon, and he goes in and he wins a football game. And he knows, like, okay, if they need me again, I'll be ready. If they don't need me, then, you know, I'll be on the sideline. I'll be waiting if they need me, right? So knowing your job, knowing your role, and then following through with it was my biggest takeaways from this. And it was just a great episode to watch. Um, Yeah, great great episode. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think just a quick note to to leave here before we move on to Lance over in New Orleans. But I think this is also a testament to the culture of the team. It's a very healthy culture. It's a culture where, you know, you truly do have guys who are going to play for each other and try to make each other better. Now, I feel like that's the type of thing they try to do over at Cardinal Givens, but it's not genuine by any means. And that goes from the quarterback to the coaches to everyone. So, you know, that's, that's what that is over there. But, you know, right here at Pinnacle, you know, you got a good coaching staff. You have a great leader in Spencer Rattler who knows when it's time to, like, okay, I'm going to chill out. This is JD's night. This is his spotlight. I'm going to let him be and be happy for it, brother, and let that be, you know? And he does. And he doesn't bring it up ever again. Like, a- after this game, like, you know, he doesn't dog him for making dumb decision. De- uh, dumb decisions in this game he does you know jd doesn't bring up this game and be like oh i had a better game than you like you know like it's it is what it is you know they keep it light and whatnot it's another dub that's what matters it keeps their well their season still alive but it's a contribution to uh eventual hopeful state championship run which is what matters in the end you know so uh very mature very mature football culture here which don't see every day. It takes time to make that happen. It just takes some time. And luck, too. Don't don't get it twisted. Yes, it, it's a blessing to have two of the top five quarterbacks yeah. in the state. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But speaking of uh, state championships, how are our boys uh, over at Warren Easton's quest going, according to episode four here, Simon? So at one point, they, <laughs> they were in practice, 
and the offensive line per usual was not doing good so they pulled one offensive a specific offensive lineman off the line and told him to play quarterback as he took a very terrible snap and then got sacked and then the coach was all like it don't feel good does it <laughs> And that, that's that, that's I, how it's going I've never over seen there. that, but I kind of like it. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, you get the point across, like, damn, bro, block for your quarterback, please. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's how that's going. And I think that's a very representative scene about how, how it's going over at Warren Easton. It's not quite falling apart, but the line is probably the biggest problem, uh, especially with Lance's injury. I know last episode we talked a lot about him getting hit uh, unnecessarily and... You know, there, there you go. It happens. But we're still working through that. So we'll see how that develops um, moving forward. And we will see in this next game. But before we get into that, Coach Phillips, it's his birthday. I thought this was a very interesting thing. I kind of low-key thought he was capping. But he also said, like, so today is my birthday, but it's bittersweet because, like, six or seven years ago, I got cut for the last time <laughs> uh, on my birthday and um, and did not play football anymore and reminded his players to enjoy every snap, make the most out of every snap. And whether that's true or not, because it's like, you know, mid-September when he got cut or whatnot, which, uh, you know, it, it, you could get cut at any time. Who knows? But what do you think about that, though, Cody? I mean, I thought it was a very, once again, the word that I keep using with this Warren Easton staff is genuine, and that I think that only reinforces it. You know, like For they're sure. going to tell you exactly what's on their mind <laughs> at any given time. And Coach Phillips, you know, is he's he's the you know he's the face of that of that football team. I'd say you know, like at least like culturally speaking, like obviously Lance, oh, everyone yeah. knows Lance, but like Coach Phillips, he's the one who put this together. He has a great coaching staff around him. He's the head coach. Yeah, he's the head coach, and you know he's not afraid to tell like it is and. I think that it's important in a game where, well, in a season specifically where, like, they are so set on being state champs, you know what I'm saying? Like, obviously everyone is, but, like, it's it's like a destiny thing, it almost feels like, um, with, with this that's team how this year. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, I think it just, it, it keeps the vibe consistent, and, um... Well, I think they probably needed to hear that because, man, this game that they played was way too close. Um, they definitely played down to this other team that they played against. Yep, don't even um, remember their name, but go ahead and uh, talk about it. Yeah. Get it going there. So, uh, um, I mean, they jumped up to a pretty... Uh, I think they were playing um, Walker. Uh, was it John? No, no. It's just... Okay, Walker High I think School. It's just walk. We'll yeah. go with Walker. Yeah, yeah. Walk, they're playing Walker High School, and like, they should obviously be them. They're not a Walker's not a slouch of a team. I think they're, I think they were supposed to be worse than Jesuit, but I'm not entirely sure on the lore. But anyways, they get into this game, and Warren Easton jumps out to a huge lead. Lance is balling out, like, oh yeah, you know, and and he's and his leadership is on full display on this game too, because like. Some guys mess up the plays or they're not running the right routes, and he's like, hey, yo, like, you got to know the plays, and you got to get into the position so I can get you the ball. We can score touchdowns and win this football game, you know? Like, he's just, he has, like, very subtle optimism, but also he's very objective about how he's commanding his team and where they're supposed to be and how he's doing it, right? And we also get to see his, his mental side of the game a little bit because he started calling a lot of checks, right? And sometimes they work. And then there's a couple times where they don't, and 
you know, I think he's just starting to feel himself a little bit too much, and his his OC and his coach do a good job of like, hey, yo, like, mellow down, just just run the plays. You know what I'm saying? Like, why'd you check that? And he's like, you know, he was just on. He's like, I'm not really sure, like, why I checked that, you know. So you can tell he was just kind of feeling himself a little too much, and his coaches did a great job of just like, hey, relax. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, they, this team, Warren Easton lets Walker climb back into the game really hard, mm-hmm. and they end up only winning by, Warren Easton only ends up winning by three points. Yeah. And everyone is, it's kind of like what you said about their last game, where it's like, it's a win, but it feels like a loss. Yes. And that, I think that's just the best way to say it, because like, everyone was really disappointed heading into the locker room, and Lejean's just like, dude, we gotta do better. Like, everybody, me, uh, linemen, defense, we all gotta do way better. And so, there's definitely like... This uneasy feeling surrounded Warren Easton a little bit on how legit they are, I'd say. I I don't know about legit. I think it's just... Or championship legitimacy. Okay, sure, yeah. I think there's definitely frustrations about um, just a lot of things, you know? It just doesn't feel like they've quite put it together, and they haven't played a full game where everything is clicking yet. It feels like everything is clicking, but at different times throughout the game, which affects, you know, it affects the ebb and flow of the game, and that's a tough type of deal. I don't know what it is. I feel like this is kind of an experienced group, or at least that's what they've been saying, and so I don't know if they're actually worried that they're not legit. I think they're more worried about, like, just getting it together as a team, because I feel like they know everyone individually is good, but we got to all click at the same time for this thing to work, you know? So, there you go. Uh, last thing, though, Lance does go home. Uh, it's a very, very interesting character-building scene here for Lance Lejean. Uh, his siblings, I think, well, his little brother, specifically, is is caught cheating on his little behavior report. You know, the line that he, he was a green all day when, in fact, he is a red. And if you are an elementary school teacher or someone who's been in, um, in elementary school, you know... You know that's never a good thing to be to be in the red, and so and so Lance basically calls him out on it, and he's all like, "Hey man, you can't be changing your behavior grades and all that, uh, you know, just just for mom or whatnot." And it calls him out, and then he also says, "You got to be consistent. That's what we do here." I thought it was a very nice, it was a very wholesome, wholesome family moment there for Lance here. Character development for Lance and his younger brother. True. More accountability than, you know. But anyways. Coming up next, what happens in the Milton game for Nick Scalzo and company? Episode 5. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner. We are talking about more QB1, going episode by episode, talking about the things that stood out to us. And so we're going to go ahead and kick this thing off with episode 5 of QB1. And so 
Um, we're going to start pretty light here, so we go back to Pinnacle. Uh, <laughs> the football team is doing their morning yoga, and because it is a bunch of high school boys, you could probably... Okay, no, not high school boys. I've seen high school boys specifically who can do yoga, but because it's a bunch of football players in high school <laughs> doing yoga, you could you could probably guess how that goes. They're messing around kind of a bit. Spencer's goofing off. Uh, you could see... <laughs> You can see the head coach up front. He's, like, doing his thing. He's all focused. At one point, Spencer's all like, Hey, JD, JD, look at coach. He's in his bag right now. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they all laugh and stuff. And then I well, thought this was really funny. But, like, I, at some point, at some point in the scene, because Spencer starts at the back and his coach was at the front. And at some point, they are right next to each other in the middle of the room. <laughs> yeah. And so basically, you could probably guess that Spencer uh, <laughs> got called out and was pulled next to the coach so that he wouldn't mess around. Um, and, and then they got talked to about that by the coach, as they should. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not excusing it because they're high school boys. But you could have seen this coming. I'm just going to say that. What do you think about this scene, Cody, before we move on? I've seen this scene literally play out in real life before, bro. Same. Like, me too. Like, I was there. Not bro, Spencer, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, bro, of course, he's in the back with JD, and he's like, he coaches in his back right now. <laughs> that, <laughs> kills, that stuff kills me. And then all of a sudden, like, there's just, like, a cut. And then they're right next to each other, like, dude, Spencer got in trouble and got moved, bro. Like, that's embarrassing, but funny as heck. So yeah. that was that was hilarious. Oh my gosh! I, and then coach is all like, you know, I'm not gonna be angry right now because I just did my my yoga and I grounded myself. His breathing too. Yeah, I have my breathing under control, but. Y'all need to be more focused. And it, when he says y'all, we know that he's talking about Spencer, Yeah, bro. the camera, like, zooms in on Spencer, like, grilling, grinning in the back. Yeah, he's, try, he's like, biting his <laughs> lip because he's trying not to, like, smile or laugh. Yeah. Like, even after he got moved, he still looks back to JD. He's like, hey, JD, check this out. And he's like, I'm not doing, I'm not doing the, um... The downward, downward dog. dog. I'm yeah. not doing downward yeah. dog, he said. It's oh like... Uh, and it's just... I mean, if it was, if it was, okay, this is going to sound messed up, but if it was Scalzo doing this, I'd be more concerned, but, like, I know Spencer actually has his eye on the ball. Yeah. But he does, like. This God. seems very normal, you know, for, uh, for Spencer. But he could. In a good way. But he could be more focused. Yeah, like I mean, I, it's never a bad thing to be focused. Like you don't want to be distracting everyone. Yeah, it's like, a funny moment, you know. But it's a funny moment as a spectator, but I can understand the coach's frustration. Yeah, you need to get it going because it is recovery, and he's right because he did mention, and this number was kind of kind of concerning. But he said they play like a fourteen game season, and I, I'm gonna assume we're not means sure if playoffs. it means playoffs too or not. But, but that is still. a lot. Yeah, college doesn't even do that. Maybe twelve max. Or 13. I, actually, I'll have to recheck that. But that's a lot for a high schooler. And so he does have a point. Like, it's not... Like, he's, we're not just doing this for comic relief. Like, Coach did make a good point. You need to recover. Uh, you know, maybe if Spencer was stretching more, he wouldn't have sprained his ankle. Or something. Well, it is his ankle. Yeah, no, no, no. I just, oh, oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a point that could be made. So. For and, sure. Yeah, that may have something to do with it, too, is he's probably, like... A little bit tuned out since he's like 
a senior too. So. Yeah, and he's a senior too. Yeah. So he's that's so there's a lot. Yeah, there's a <laughs> but, lot going on here, but you know, just do a little better there. The point of this story is to not act like Spencer. We're just saying he's you know it's funny because it's funny. And, and we mention you know this is just further uh, reinforcement of who Spencer is as a person. And then you know they throw around a little bit and they're getting ready to head out to California. Yeah, so it's just game. it's all prep right now. Um, you know, Spencer's rocking with the lineman cleats. <laughs> yeah, JD was Do dogging him. Those? Yeah, I wonder if Spencer ever paid JD that hundred bucks that he bet. Oh, well, okay, we gotta frame the bet now because we didn't we didn't tell the listeners. Yeah, so go ahead. Spencer gets out these. You know, he has ankle high cleats now, or, or high tops, right? For his um, ankles. For his ankles, because he just sprained it. And so JD's like, bro. I can't believe you came out here with the lineman cleats. And Spencer's like, no, these ain't lineman cleats, bro. Aaron Rodgers wears these. And JD's like, if you look up lineman cleats right now, those cleats will come up. Spencer's like, no way, bro. And JD's like, oh, or Spencer's like, I bet you $100 that the lineman cleats don't come up. And (laughs) JD's like, yeah, I'll take that bet. And then they're looking at Spencer's phone. And JD's like, yo, aren't those your cleats right there but in maroon? And Spencer's like, no, no, those aren't my cleats, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Spencer was like, no, no, that's not them. And then JD just started laughing harder. And you see Spencer, like, slowly get quieter. And that's how you knew. That's, like, the most humbled Spencer's been this entire show (laughs) is when he realized he was wearing lineman cleats. There's no way he paid JD 100 bucks. Mm. Probably not, but Probably not. you know that. So, anyways, that's how that that's how that uh, all ends for Spencer over there because this was a very heavy Easton and and Cardinal Gibbons episode, really. So, let's go ahead and talk about Easton. Let's talk about Lance here before we get to Nick and that whole crew. So, Easton has John Curtis coming up. John Curtis is a private school, one of the most dominant. Private schools, I think Cody wrote in here, rather Christian vibes, which means, you know, they dominate. We don't like them. <laughs> that, that's what that, that means, too. we don't like Yeah, that too, that too, but, you know, they dominate because they're a private school, recruiting, whatever, you know. Uh, <laughs> so there's so there's a lot, so there's a lot there, you know, and this is a game that has a lot of hype because, you know, John Curtis is just one of those schools that aren't going to get beat by a public school. Plain and simple. And so for Easton to roll up, you know, this would be a statement kind of game if they were to win it. And that is a big if because this was going to be a tall order anyways. And they needed to bring their A game and play a very, very perfect game for this to work out. And so, so yeah. Um, Cody, you want to talk about this next part here? I mean, coach talking and all that. Yeah, I was about to say, so his barber is actually Lance's youth football coach. Yes. And so they're just talking about the game, and basically his, his youth coach is setting the stage, right? Like, you know, this could be a legacy-defining game. Warren Easton only has a chance because they got 12, you know, and if you guys haven't picked up from Contacts Clues, Lance wears number 12. Yes. So everyone be calling him 12 all the time, and, you know, his youth coach is like, give me, give me like, a prediction of the score, and, you know, there's a – is it – Scalzo earlier in the season gets asked the same question. Yeah, he does. Yeah, so there's a lot of barber scenes, or I shouldn't say a lot of barber scenes because well, there's literally two. So, but, but like, yeah. you know, there's barber scenes, and that's where, you know, they, they talk at their most real, I'd say. And, you know, in, in Nick's, he's like, oh, we're going to win 34 to 21 or something like that. And, well, then they get smacked. But, anyways, Lance doesn't give a straight answer. Yeah. The same, like, he's like, 
because you can tell Lance understands how big this game is, and he doesn't want to be, you know, caught eating his own words, basically. So yeah. he's like, he's like, I mean, I'm just going to go out there and, like, try and play, and it's going to take everything we got to beat these guys. Oh, yeah. At this point, Lance is putting himself in the mindset of, I need to survive this dogfight first, and then, you know, all the other cutesy stuff will be cool. But this is a dogfight that I'm going to need to survive only if myself and the rest of this team play well. And so it's the most dialed in I'd ever seen Lance yeah. heading into the game week on the bus. He wasn't talking to nobody really. Yep. In the locker room, he was in. I don't even think he had earbuds on. I think he was just so. He was just sitting there. Yeah, he was just looking to to ball out. Yeah, to play. Get, I could tell he was getting mental reps in, which yep. isn't focused on enough, I'd say, in general. So young players, you just get those mental reps in, and that's just envisioning basically your script of the first few plays and any plays that you know you're going to run that week and what you're doing on those plays. So you could tell he was getting those mental reps in. He wasn't talking at all. He was ready to play. But it was a tough game. Right, Simon? Yeah, They so they hit the field and all that. Lance uh, starts off pretty hot, I would say, on his P's and Q's, making a lot of good throws. Receivers play terrible. I they they're bad, you know, just dropping open passes, tipping passes for multiple interceptions, not just one, but multiple, um, and they're just not they they can't do anything right. I wanted to smash point. my head through our <coughs> table watching these drops. Yeah, bro. they were bad drops. Yeah, and they couldn't do anything right. To be honest with you, that whole first half, bad routes. Uh huh. Ba- bad drops. Just everything. Just everything. Everything bad. And you could probably blame that on the receivers of the first half. Second half, Lance. It, it starts to spread a little bit. And I think you could tell Lance gets a little antsy and all that and is starting to feel like he needs to do a lot more than than he can because of his receivers and his teams. And, uh, you know, he wants to win. And so he starts falling apart a little bit, just making some really bad mental mistakes. And those are mistakes that end up being kind of it for Easton. You know, they can't recover from them. And... They, they just didn't win. They got blown out pretty badly, I want to say. I think they scored a couple touchdowns here and there uh, throughout the game to kind of keep it interesting, but uh, it soon got out of control once Lance started making the mistakes notably, but also it was in the second half, so there you go. Yeah, they, they kind of already lost the game, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. They didn't... This was, like I said, <clears throat> like I said, this is a team that needs to play together and on the same page for it all to work out, and um, they're still not there. Yeah, and they're like I said, they're clicking at different times. You know, the receivers didn't play as bad in the second half, but Lance was not quite there. And you, you got to click together, you know, uh, or you might as well not be clicking at all, and you're gonna lose. So there you go. You said the coach made a good point at the end here, though. Yeah, um, I mean, we we've heard it before. I'm pretty sure everybody's heard it before because at some point you face. A team that's either, like, like talent's talent, right? Yes. And this Warren Easton team, we talked about it in the last episode, they're loaded with talent. They have four-star guys. They have three-star guys. They have, you know, guys who are getting offers to USC or, uh, you know, LeJean here to Florida State. Uh-huh. Other, you know, Power 5 schools. A bunch of these cats are getting Power 5 offers. They have, like, conversations about that and whatnot. And yet here they are kind of getting smacked around by John Curtis. And, you know, the coach brings up a great point. He says, you know, talent, talent will take us far. We'll get to the semis, 
you know, or the quarterfinals. No problem with the talent. Yeah. But we're going to lose if we don't start, you know, working hard, thinking football all the time. Living football, I think, is actually the specific words that he said. (coughs) Nobody lives football on the Warren Easton team. And you, you can tell that the coach is getting frustrated. And I think it's another, I mean, Lance just continues to impress me every single episode because, like, there's obviously a lot of things that went wrong, but Lance puts this loss squarely on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Like, for better or for worse, he does that, and it just shows, like, he's super accountable, and, you know, he, he's like, I can't believe, like, on the bus ride back, he just can't stop saying it. It's like a tick almost, where he's like, I threw three picks, man. And I'm thinking, like, bro, easily one of those picks is a thousand percent not on you, because it yes. was a hitch route. It was a, <coughs> no, 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 it was a spot route. That the receiver just popped up into the air like a volleyball set, basically, and it fell into the defense's lap. You know, but that that's not what mattered to Lance. What mattered to Lance is that he had those picks. Yeah, no, no doubt. So there you go. But if that's all we have to say about Lance and Warren Easton, let's go ahead and talk about this Milton game that Cardinal Gibbons plays. Uh, so they go to Georgia. This is their out-of-state game. Uh, this is probably why Nick wants to go and play in this game because it's like, you know, an out-of-state game and they're a good squad. And, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. I think this is where everything most definitely starts going off the rails. I know we kind of when Adam last episode, but I think this episode for sure in episode five is where things just start falling apart in a very bad way. Um, and this is probably the worst case scenario for any team. So Cody, if you want to take it away. Cataclysmic is the word that I'm using to describe this Cardinals given squad after episode five. So they go to Milton. There's like, this is basically a national showcase. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For, for some of the top Florida talent on this Cardinal Gibbons team. And for Georgia Talent, obviously, in this Milton game, you know, they, they go up there, they, they do their, you know, their clean kind of, like, facade is what I'm going to say of how they're still a team. You know, the coach gives great interview, Nick gives great interview, there's a lot of respect shown, and then you get into the game, and oh my god, I don't know if I've ever been so upset while watching a show, like, okay, I have, but like, this episode and this game was pissing me off, bro, because Nick Scalzo was off the rails and there was nothing anybody was doing to stop it, quench it, or, or put it out at all. Yep. It was a nightmare. It was a nightmare to watch. So tell us, why was it a nightmare to watch? <laughs> well, okay, so basically, okay, so basically, um, I mean, they go into half. I think they're down by 14 points or something like that. Yeah. So they're not getting murdered yet. But the key word here is yet. Because Nick basically, like, for the f- whole first half, he's just talking smack about the play calling. Bad. Like, and he's not talking to his coach. He keeps going and talking to his dad. Which, bro... you is not to- his coach. Yeah, no, his dad's the wide receiver's coach. He yeah. don't... He doesn't even coach the quarterbacks. He doesn't call the plays on offense. None of that, right? And so, like, he's trying to go over the coach's helmet to his dad basically every time, which also I brought this up to Simon. You have to be a very specific parent if I'm going to let you on my coaching staff and your kid is playing with us. Yeah. Because I've seen it happen in real time, and it can get pretty ugly and pretty nasty pretty fast. You know, there's personal feelings up in there, and Scalzo is Jerry, that is, is Nick's ultimate yes man. You know, like, he's never going to really call him out. 
So, and Nick knows that, so he goes to where he's comfortable, which is with his dad, and he's like, I'm just gonna start calling my own place. I'm just gonna start calling my own place. And his dad's like, yeah, 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 do it. He's like, yep, do yep. it. And he's like, God. he's not fighting back against it. He's basically committing treason. It's treason, then. Against the head coach here at Cardinals Gibbons, who has no control over this sinking boat whatsoever. Like, and I'd be surprised if he sees it sink all the way to the bottom of the ocean. This is a captain that I don't think will go down with the ship. And it's just horrible to watch because, you know, Nick, you know, he gets into halftime. He's like, hey, that fumble was on me because he was trying to do too much. And he fumbles horribly. Oh, it was a disgusting looking yeah, fumble. Like, no field awareness at all. Sloppy. It just happens. Sloppy. <clears throat> and he, he owns up to that. He's like, we need to come together, guys. We're only down by four. He does that cheesy stuff again. It's like, we need to come together as a team. And then he goes over, and then, like, after he says that, he goes straight to his dad. He's like, I want my receiver back on the field, even though he was messing up routes and dropping passes. He's like, I need my receiver. I'm not going to be good, basically. Yeah. And, like, just coming up with a million excuses. And then once he starts calling his own plays, like, it just gets worse. Like, he throws pick, and then a pick, and then a pick, and then a pick. It's like, wow, this guy is so... Like, earlier in the season, I remember somebody was like, just use that IQ of you. You're one of the smartest football players I've ever seen. Bro... After guy, watching Last Chance U, where something similar like that happened, and we just watched that first episode of Indy with Malik Henry, I feel like you can't see that the same anymore. You know what that should look like in the best situation possible. Oh, dude, because at least with, like, th- yes, there, there is a way for that to be handled, and it was not handled in that way. I agree with, and like, bro, like at Milton, that is not last chance. You, but go on. Well, I'm saying the best way to handle it was basically what happened at Indy, more or less. Yeah, more sure. Or less, sure. As best you could hope for, I'd say. And you know, a quarterback that actually is smart in Malik Henry, and is yeah, like actually grabs a board and actually tries figuring it out. Nick doesn't even look like he knows the difference between his team's uniforms and the other team's uniforms in this Milton game. He throws so many picks. He turns the ball over so many times. And he, th- the throws that he does try and throw where his receivers are open, he's throwing them into coverage where they get freaking hammered. Like, I was getting secondhand concussions just watching these receivers die over the middle in the name of the great Nick Scalzo to, to Kentucky. And it's just, it was, it was horrible to watch. Simon was almost turning inside out at this episode. And I've seen this three or four times. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Says a lot about their character and the team's character for sure. This is a game they should have won. This is probably a game if you had a Lance Lejean, you easily win, in my opinion. And well, obviously, if you have Spencer Rattler, you're winning for sure. But <clears throat> I, uh, I don't know. There's just not a lot of good things that happened here. They lost the team, is what it is. This is Nick Scalzo's team. I hope they know that. Anything the coaches do from here on out. Unless Nick Scalzo is completely separated from it, is is not because of them, and they lost the team. And I don't know how grown adults could allow a allow a kid to talk to you like that, but they do. Even just a three star too. Just keep that in mind. You don't see Lance or Spencer doing that at all. So, you know that's uh, that's a whole deal there. But this was a terrible game to watch, uh, Nick. Not even close to being a fan of his. I kind of wish for the best, but also the best would be for him to retire from football, and I'd be cool with that. And there you go. Are we good? I think that does it for uh, episode five. 
Alright, so coming up next, we have our last episode of this episode of the Playmaker's Corner. Uh, episode 6, where we get some very, very key and significant games for Lance and Spencer, I want to say. Coming up next. Welcome back to the Playmaker's Corner podcast. And we are talking episode 6 of QB1 on this last segment here. And we're going to pick up where we left off with the Cardinal Gibbons program. And, um, you know, Nick, he tries, quote-unquote, tries to fix what he thinks the problem. But as somebody who's... He misreads the situation on why they lost entirely. He's like, that was embarrassing. Let's go outside and throw slant routes. Like... That's Woo! Like, let's do some one-on-ones or whatever. It's like, bro, you didn't lose because you couldn't complete throws. I mean, you did, but, like, quit acting like it's, like, an everybody thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, it starts and stops with you, bud. Like, it's the wrong kind of accountability. And I think that's where it's, like, fake, right? Because he's just in denial about what actually went wrong in that game. And he thinks, oh, if I just throw, like, some passes. Like, that's the corniest thing you could try and fix. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's at least how I feel about it. it, it like, there are times where that applies. Like, it would make sense if Lejean did that because his receivers were dropping passes, right? Yeah. Like, okay. And like, he got guys, off rhythm, too, so. Yeah, and it's like, you guys, like, we need to figure out our, our chemistry. No, bro, it's not about chemistry when you throw the ball to the other team, like, four times in Georgia. So, like, that was goofy. And I think basically a great summary of Nick Scalzo as a player. Um, And he's, once again, he's talking about records, like, at practice all week, bro, and... Going into this next game. Yeah, going into this next game, like... Which is supposed to be, like, his bounce-back game. Yeah, so... Simon, you want to talk about this game? and I mean, it does kind of serve as a bounce-back game, but what are the pro? Okay, tell us what happens in the game, and then we'll talk about the problems with it. All right, so first things first, and this is just a tip out there to all the coaches, don't say that every game is your most important game of the season. Or no, 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 no. Don't say that, oh, this next game, this could make or break our season. Because, Coach, you literally said this last week, the week before. After this game, you say it again. Like, (laughs) all you're doing is just saying that each game is important. And then eventually the players get to a point where it's like, all right, Coach, we get it. You think every game's important when it's really not. And that's not a reality you want to hit. And you ruin your word, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Use that sparingly, you know. That's... I feel like that's an obvious That's thing. rivalry week talk, maybe? Yes. Or, like, last three games of the season with playoff implications talk. Yeah, or or playoffs, but... Well, I would understand, speak for themselves. Well, you think so, but... <laughs> yeah, playoffs for sure, for sure. Um, but, first off, don't be saying all that. Anyways, this team that they're playing is not good at all, so I don't know why he said that. Because he was acting like they weren't going to win. Which, this is definitely a team they could have won. E- they could have beat even without Nick Scalzo. Just throwing that out there. Um, so, there you go. But they hop in, you know. Nick uh, gets some pretty easy throws here. Like, blown coverage and stuff. So, he's, he's given some touchdowns as he should. What was it, so, five in the first half? 
it was like three or four. Yeah, four or five in the first half, for sure. <laughs> and so they're going for a record here. Uh, Nick wants to throw it to... Shoot, I'm trying to remember what the record was. First was sixth touchdown. No, it was like throwing a touchdown to like six different receivers. Oh, that's what it was? Either six or seven different receivers, which is actually impressive because I feel like he has thrown for six touchdowns already. Okay. Not in this season, but, you know, before. So, so so it was six different receivers, and so, you know, Nick is obviously forcing the ball as he's uh, getting near to this record. And he throws a really dumb pick. That doesn't make any sense. The guy was covered. Uh, Nick can't make that throw anyway, so I don't know why he decided to throw it. But he did, trying to get that record. <laughs> and then this next part kills me. Like, the coach, I don't, I don't know where the coach's head is at. The head coach, that is. Not his dad, not the OC, but the head coach really goes up to Nick. Is all like, well, sometimes you gotta know when to hold him and when to fold him. Bro... <laughs> If any of my coaches ever said that to me, bro, I would probably start playing another sport. Because it's like, okay, this they're sport winning. is a joke. Bro, but they're winning, too. And then this dude, like, quotes a country lyric to him. And Nick is just there, like, what? Like, if there what wasn't already mean? a disconnect between the head coach and Nick, that it cemented it. Because that is the corniest thing, bro. Like, what are you? T- what are you talking about, coach? Yeah, Nick is all like, "Yes." I came. I came up to Simon at halftime. I was like, "Hey, Simon, you got to know when to hold him and when to fold him." He's like, "Bro, I just hit a layup." Like, what are you talking about? God, I don't know. But he said that, and that kind of killed me. So, <laughs> um, because I I don't know if the coach cares or if the coach realizes why why he might be frustrated. I don't know. It was just a very big disconnect moment. And so with that being said, the coach wanted to, you know, keep him out for, you know, for the rest of the game because they're up by, like, six touchdowns. And, uh, you know, Nick is obviously coming off an injury, and you don't want to screw around with that, as he should. And then, you know, of course, uh, Coach Scalzo is all like, come on, coach, he's a senior. Come on, coach. He has, this is this is a core memory. He just needs like, one more He just touchdown. needs one more, coach. And so then he's like, all right, whatever. And so he throws him in there, he breaks the record. Cool. This record really doesn't mean anything to anybody but him. So there you go. Oh, and then, you know, um, and then the backup quarterback goes in there, throws a couple touchdowns as well. So if, if that doesn't tell you how, how bad of an opponent they were playing, I don't know what does, but also, I kind of don't like that. I, if you're up by a lot, you know, and it's like late third quarter, fourth quarter, put in the backup, get some experience there. Instead, Nick wanted to break a record, which is cool, I guess, but that takes away playing time from Brody, the backup, who could probably use that playing time since I want to say he is a freshman, and mm, I, I don't know how good you would feel as a coach starting a freshman with no playing experience. So this would have been a perfect opportunity to get all of that playing experience. I would have had less of a problem with it if it wasn't Nick and his dad begging for it. Oh, yeah. Like, they like were if both I'm, lobbying. Like, if I'm the coach, I'd probably leave Nick in there just because, you know, I like... Well, okay. Mm, it depends no. on who's my quarterback, right? But, like, you know, if it's a situation that I know that, like, a record's close, I'm like, okay, you know, like, I'll, I might give this to my quarterback, depending on the situation. Well, if you talking back to me, like, no, sit well, down. No, no. With you Nick, know? no. He could ride the bed, bro. 
Yeah, like, hey, like, I would be like, hey, remember that one time you talked back to me? Yeah, remember that next time you want to break a record and sit him down. Yeah. And that's that, you know, because... What are you going to do, transfer midseason and then not play for the rest of the year? Yeah. That's fine by me. Yeah. Also, low-key, nobody else but these two are lobbying for it. Yeah. Um, you, you didn't see his receiver saying, like, yeah, coach, leave Nick in. We'd love to see our brother, like, break a record. Or any other coach say it. It was just the Scalzo family saying and lobbying and doing all of that. Everyone else was unsurprisingly pretty quiet. The behind the scenes makes the record basically <clears throat> worth nothing in my eyes. Yes. So just keep that in mind. That might be something that comes up again. But you know what? We're going to go ahead and talk, go to uh, go to New Orleans here uh, because Spencer has a big game in Cali, but we'll save that for last. Yes. And we'll talk about Spencer here. Um, really not a lot happens. A lot of life stuff happens. You know, some really good... Really good advice here from Coach Munchie, from the other coaches. You know, there was a conversation that they were having that I really liked where he was talking to him about, you know, checking out the advisors, weight room, knowing about the people he's going to be hanging out with because those are the people that he'll be around the most, especially the strength and conditioning coach. I think that was some very good advice there. It's advice from somebody who, you know, was a former four-star, five-star, who went to Cincinnati, did his thing. You know, classic story, he tore his ACL his senior year, and that was that. And so he had some very good insight to give Lance there. Cody, do you want to talk about that a little bit more here? I mean, you said it best, and I just think that it's important for high schoolers to know during recruiting Know who the strength and conditioning coach is. Know who your academic advisors are. Because, and know your position coaches. Because it's like, obviously the head coach is important and you're going to be with the head coach. But you're going to be, like, Munchie had a great point and something that I'd never really thought about. Is that you're going to be with the strength and conditioning coach more than your head coach. Yep. Like, that's just the truth, right? Like, obviously you want to... I think that the program itself is a great reflection of the head coach. And if you like the program, then, then go there. But make sure that you like the strength and conditioning coach. Yeah. And it's someone fifth, who's going to make you better. Sorry. Yeah. Go, go ahead. No, for sure, for sure. No, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But, yeah, I mean, the little things count. The attention to detail count. Like, you want to make sure, not not too picky, but you want to make sure the details are all lined up in there and, you know, you like the people outside of the coaching staff and the football program, you know. School itself, obviously, too. So I, I, that goes without saying, but, you know, there you go. So. It, is this when he makes his dream board, by the way? No, this was a couple episodes. That was a couple episodes oh, ago. Oh, dang. Well, his <laughs> dream board. I, y'all remember, bro, first off, high school was crazy because school is so easy in high school. But anyways, he's, he's <laughs> yeah. making a dream board, and basically he has a bunch of, like, his offers on the board and then, like, a 3.0 GPA, I think, is what he had. Yep. And, you know, just a football in general. So that was cool. And, like, I think just a further testament, I'm like... <laughs> So I'm thinking about how terrible Microsoft Word is. But anyways, okay. um, Lance, you know, just how grounded he is. And, like, he's looking through all of his offers like, bro, he has – we don't really get to see it with Spencer, obviously, because he's, he's already, already committed. committed. Yeah. And so is Nick. <clears throat> Strongly so, committed, that is, too. Yes, yes. And so and, – and Nick is already, like – Nick is just happy to be going to Kentucky. I got to be real with you. And he should be just happy to be going there because – seen way better quarterbacks than I could take. But anyways, um, you know, we're, we get to go on this recruiting journey with Lance, and, you know, he easily has 19. Like, 19 is his base amount of offers. But there's speculation that there's more. Schools that are on the verge of sending him an offer, you know, are sending him, like LSU. Yeah. And this is the episode where Tennessee, we actually learned that Tennessee offered him to play wide receiver, which, like Simon said in the last episode, 
that's whack. That's why they're going to be at the bottom of the SEC for all time. And then, um, he okay, the vibes that I was getting was LSU is sending him stuff, but they haven't offered him. Nope. And he wants to go to LSU. He doesn't want to leave Louisiana is the vibe I, I was getting. Yeah, ideally to him, he doesn't want to really leave. His mom kind of wants him to leave and, <clears throat> you know, like, I guess start a new life elsewhere, which is fine too, but um, he's very attached to Louisiana just in general, you know. So LSU would have been a very good fit for him in terms of stuff that he's looking for in that sense, you know, but recruiting is an interesting thing, but we'll leave that there for now uh, with Lance because I don't think there's much more, is there? No. Um, All right. We're looking forward to the rest of the Warren Easton uh, season, basically. Yeah, no, so. for sure. It turns up from here, so we got we got a lot going on, but let's go ahead and go to... Let's turn up. Yeah, over at Pinnacle. Well, not over at Pinnacle. It's actually over at J. Sarah in California. Uh, so Pinnacle travels out of state. They're going to play their one and only out-of-state game against J. Sarah. They're a pretty good football program over there. Now, not like modern-day St. John Bosco good because they're like national champions every year. But, you know, they're, they're a team that you need to be ready for because they got guys all around and they're going to play you really well. They'd smack around basically any Colorado team. Yes, that's that goes with that. Well, I, I guess that doesn't go without saying. Well, for our listeners but. based out of Colorado, like, <clears throat> this is, once again, this is a very, very sneak peek at a big episode we have coming for you guys. But there is a lot of turmoil within Colorado football. But anyways, back yes. to Jay Sarah. Sorry to keep setting the scene. <laughs> they're, yeah, yeah. So they're getting there, you know. They're <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. I'm looking at this note here on the dock here. And I, you, I know you wrote all of this down because you described <laughs> this. But you wrote down, football players never be knowing where the F to go. And they're dumb in some very football player specific ways. Bro, okay, because... Go ahead and, and expand on that. <laughs> expand on that. Expand on that. Because, okay, so they're staying at this hotel, right? And the offensive coordinator, they're all at breakfast, right? Like, if you... In the lobby. Yeah, in the lobby. And they're like, okay, listen, we're going to meet on this side of the building. Be there at this time, right? The parking lot. The parking uh, in the lot. parking lot on this side <clears throat> of the building. And if you've ever played football, bro, you know that... It goes in one ear and right out the other with some of these idiots, bro. Oh, my God. And I say that with, like, the endearing idiot way because they're literally leaving breakfast and, like, not even ten minutes later, the person's like, wait, what time are we supposed to be yeah, down in the park? one of the linemen starts bringing up. He's like, wait, where are we going, bro? Somebody was like, do we meet in the <laughs> lobby? And it's like, no, oh bro. Like, <laughs> dude, we're going to meet out in the parking lot. On this side of the building, he just said it five minutes ago. What is wrong with you? And one of them's like, what, did they say at like five? Like, no, at like right two. now. Like, yeah, like, yeah, right now. It was like, dude, what the heck? Oh, my gosh. Football players, bro. Okay, I remember we had a game in Grand Junction. So we, You we, as a player, not a coach. By the, the yeah, I, as a okay. player, as a player. Um, we had a game in Grand Junction, and I swear to God... It was exactly like this, bro, because we stayed in this hotel, and, like, it's like, okay, wake up is at, like, 5.30, right? And then we're getting we're getting in bed, and everyone's like, yo, did they say, like, be at the buses by, like, 7? No! Wake up is at 5.30, we're gonna go eat breakfast, okay? And then we're gonna go, like, do warm-ups and get on the, like, bro, they just, like, okay, we're gonna wake up at 5.30, we're gonna get breakfast, get your stuff, we're gonna do a walkthrough, then we're gonna get on the bus and go. 
And the players be like, wait, so are we meeting straight at the bus in the morning? Like, bro! Oh, football players are, are they're just dumb sometimes. And you gotta love it about them. Yep. As a coach, I can't lie. I I was seeing those pinnacle players wandering the hotel, and I'm like, oh my god, I already know. These are exactly some of my football players in a couple years. Not knowing what to do, can't read a sign. They just out there vibing, I guess. And that's, and that's that. But anyways, they make it there. They get through the run-through, kind of. I had one player this year bring uh, the wrong jersey to a game, and his parents had to bring in the right jersey. I heard that one, too. <laughs> I've had one forget his pads, even though that's part of the game. But Yeah, that happened God. this past year. God. Oh, I, I, I don't Dude. know. Kids, it's, kids it's, kill me. It's funny looking back at it. Like, don't get it twisted. Like, it's funny, like, talking about these things. But in the moment, it's like, it's so what is like, what are you doing right now? Footballs God, really have, like, three whole brain cells between the whole, like, 54-man roster sometimes. Yeah, I can't, I can't <laughs> wait to coach girls football. And maybe it's a little different. No, it would be different. Matt, Devin Silvestri would not do that, I feel. I don't think so. I don't know. But I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe, maybe maybe it's a football player thing though. She's a football. She's a football player. No, 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 that's what I'm saying. Is we don't. I'm not sure if it's a boys thing or if as soon as you decide to play football, like you automatically just don't know where you're supposed to be. Well, my girl hoopers wouldn't do that either. <laughs> At least I'd hope not. But anyways, let's go ahead and get it. Yeah, the back game here. Back in. <laughs> we had to bring it up though because y'all football players be clowning sometimes. Yeah, I don't. I can't talk because that was us, you know, at some t- at some point. Yeah, but, you I know. Okay, whatever. If we have to be honest, right, real quick. In, in never sight, me, but I had to take a backups cleats one time because I didn't bring my cleats to a game, and so I was like, "Hey, bro, no offense, but you ain't gonna be needing those, so I'm gonna need those this game." God. <laughs> and I, I went. I went and had myself a pretty good game, but anyways. Wow, I can't believe you're Nick Scalzo. <laughs> no, hey, don't be... Bro, talking about Spencer Rattler, and you and I will address that off air. That's not right, bro. That's disrespectful. <laughs> so anyways, they hit this game, you know. Spencer's all fired up. He's talking about how much Jay Sarah be talking, talking all that trash, talking all that ish. You know, and he goes ahead and, like, you know, throws, like, two crazy good touchdowns and gets the gets the team going you know he's all hyped he's yelling he's hollering on the sidelines he's on the field so much yeah smack. he's talking to 91 or whoever that defensive lineman and being like hey i know you know my name though i don't know who you are and then throws a touchdown you know <laughs> which you can't if you're a lineman you can't be doing all that you got a sack bro but he really did roll out he rolled out. So that means the lineman had a chance to sack him if he, you know, if he block shedded, right? Which he didn't. But Spencer rolled out, threw a 60-yard bomb, and then it was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he was, he was hollering for sure. But don't get it twisted. While Spencer was scoring, this Jay Sarah team was responding every single time uh, Spencer had something to give him. And so they was going back and forth. This was a really close game. It came down to kind of the end here. Uh, Jay Sarah. I think they were up by a touchdown, I want to say. And so Spencer was leading a drive. Blocking wasn't there. Receiving, you know, receivers weren't there. And, you know, Spencer acknowledged that. And he was like, man, great defense, you know. Appreciate it. And then uh, what happened is, you know, they lost. And Spencer took that on the chin. It was a very good sport. I loved this. He was just super mature, you know. He came down a little bit and was all like, hey, man, I appreciate it. Um, 
you know, pushing me and all that. And he was he was he was very mature and was very much like respectful and honorable of the game for sure. And you know, that's that's mad respect at the end for an 18 year old to do that after a very like emotional filled and hyped game. It's something that not a lot of 18 year olds could like take a step back from in the moment because they were you know high fiving and all that after the game and do that. And so that goes a long way in who Spencer Rattler is as a person. For sure. But Cody, do you have anything else to add on to this game? Or after the game, if, if you'd like? Well, I mean, I think this game, not only on a Spencer Rattler level, but, like, if I wanted someone to love football, I would love to show them this game and the behind the scenes. Because, A, yes. it was a great game decided by one touchdown late. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Spencer only had, like, a <clears throat> minute 50 left to try and tie it up after just tying it up on his last drive. Yep. Like, I think the final score is like 35-28 or 42-35. It was a one-score game. Great game. Super back and forth. And then the behind the scenes because, you know, during that game, Spencer Rattler hated, he hated everyone on J-Sarah. Hated them. And his coaches, like, they had to hold him back a little bit and get him to simmer down because he was so emotionally invested. Like, Honestly, like, football is a violent sport. It's a violent sport. It's a very high-intense sport. It's an emotionally draining sport to play. And then at the end of the game, the game once the whistle was blown, that was it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. And that's something that high schoolers need to understand, especially, like, once the whistle blows and the game's over, y'all are just people again. You know, you're not football players, like, uh-huh. on the field. Like, on the field, that that is a gladiator arena, and you're trying to kill whoever's across from you, whether you're a quarterback trying to throw deep strikes to break the defense's back, or whether you're a linebacker trying to flatten a wide receiver over the middle. Like, no matter what, like, it's a battle in there, and then once the game's over, the game, that's it. That's the game. You're back on your, like, basically separate individual paths again. Yeah, and yeah. that's hard to do. Like, I, I acknowledge that as a teenager, um, as Even a young as football adult. player. Oh, yeah, definitely as an adult. But just in general, you know, like, football is one of those games that, you, you get really emotionally invested to not that you know other sports aren't like that but just the way it's built i feel like with the structure it's easy to like you know be holding that emotion in for very long periods of time before you hit the field and then you come off the field you know so there's that whole deal with that and so i think just in general it's very hard to separate yourself from that and this is a game where spencer was going all out he was playing his freaking heart out you know, and he was bringing the energy. If he didn't come out with this same energy, they would have gotten blown out. You know, but Spencer, he was in the mindset that they were not going to lose. Even if they did lose, he was in that mindset that they weren't going to lose. He pretty much did everything that he needed to do. And, I I mean, you know, sometimes games just don't go your way. And that's life. So, you know. But altogether, just very impressive. Very impressive game for Spencer. Definitely, uh... A marquee win, and Cody would argue against a signature win. So we'll call it a marquee win. A good win for Spencer. It shows that, or okay, a good a good showing for Spencer. I would say shows how mature he is already as an 18 year old. I think as a college coach, if I'm Lincoln Riley watching this, obviously, you know, I probably would have had more conversations than I would with Spencer Adler right now. But you know, just looking at this, this would probably affirm a lot of things that you really like and be like, okay, so as an 18 year old, from what he's showing after this game that says to me that he can lead this college football team as an 18 year old I can live with that 
And I think that's not something to be taken lightly. And to have that maturity says a lot. To be a good sport, to respect the game, to be honorable, to, you know, talk to these other coaches, too, who are, who are like, hey, man, like, I got a guy who's going to Oklahoma and being really nice and charismatic about it. That goes a long way. That wins a lot of people's hearts over. And, you know, I personally became a very big Spencer Rattler fan after this game, even though I'm a Texas guy. And so did my little brother, by the way, who is going to UT and saw this and was all like, all right, I'll, I'll give it to, I like Spencer. I like Spencer Rattler. I like Rattler um, because it's, it's hard for you to just not respect him after this kind of game, you know, especially, and it's a loss. You got to remember, they lost too. So, for him to do all that in a loss and take it how he did, that's, uh, you know, that, that wins over a lot of fans, you know. It really does. Aaron Rodgers would be so pissy if he, like, if this happened. I, that, I don't know why, but that's the first name that comes to mind. He would be such a terrible sport about it. Tom Brady would be a terrible sport about it, too. He, in fact, he has walked off the field without shaking hands. So, you know, already you, there's a couple guys there that you know wouldn't have handled this uh, the same way. So, different situations, but still, though, you know, he he did it willingly. Like, he was having conversations with these people after the game. So, there you go. Yeah. Very respectful lad. Yep. But that'll wrap up this episode of the Playmaker's Corner, pretty much. Uh, make sure you follow us on all of our social media. Show us some love there. Uh, we're going to probably finish the series pretty soon here. We have... Maybe an episode or two of the Playmakers Corner that we're going to drop. So the next episode, we'll have three episodes, and then we'll do the finale separately. And then we will be breaking down the film of some of these college guys. I know it's been a minute. We've been breaking down a lot of high school and middle school film, to be honest with you. So, you know, this will be a good thing to get into, kind of kind of show our range when it comes to breaking down film a little bit here. And you can see some of those comparisons. Uh, some of those comparisons there, but... I am one of your co-hosts, Simon Villanos. Your other co-host, Cody Stauffer. And we will see you later.